I don't know about you, but when I was listening to Jordan, um, how many of you just felt so proud to be a part of that? Wasn't that amazing? We're so proud of you, Jordan. Really, what you do for the kingdom, it's incredible. Thank you for letting us be a part of that. Thank you. Amen. Well, we're just currently in a series here uh, about the benefits that we have in Jesus Christ. Just as you have benefits in your job, so do we have benefits in Jesus as Christians because of what Jesus did on the cross and because of our faith in Jesus and his finished work. Go ahead and turn your Bible to Psalm 103. Psalm 103 is is our, our theme scripture for this series. Psalm 103, I'm just going to read verse 1 and 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Psalm 103 is calling us to remember. It's calling us to remember. Remember what we have. Remember who we are in Jesus Christ. Remember our benefits. I've had about, I don't know, eight or nine people this week um, talk to me about killing demon bugs. <laughs> and, so, and so lots of you remember me killing demon bugs last week. But I want to know how many of you remembered your benefits this week? How many of you remembered your benefits? How many of you remembered that you're a child of God, that you're adopted into the family of God. And that means that God chose you, that you have and belong to Abba Father, that you're heir and co-heir with Jesus, that you have every right and privilege in the kingdom of God as a child of God. And God says in Psalm 103, don't forget it. Don't forget it. And that's what this series is about. Don't forget it. Remember who you are. Remember what I've given you, God says. Amen. Today, I want to talk about what I personally believe. I don't know if we can rank benefits of, uh, in Christ. I think we get a little, it's a little tricky because they're all kind of connected and they're all amazing. But to me, this is one of the most amazing benefits that we have in Christ, and that is the rest of God. That as believers in Jesus, we have a right and privilege to enter and to remain in the rest of God. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, this is, this is where we're going to be camped out today, Hebrews chapter 4. I'm going to read verses 1 to 3. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still remains and is freely offered today, let us fear in case any one of you may seem to come short of reaching it or think he has come too late. For indeed, we have had the good news of salvation preached to us, just as the Israelites also 
when the good news of the promised land came to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them because it was not united with faith in God by those who heard. So the rest of God is still available today. It's offered to everyone and it's free. You don't have to pay for it. God already paid for the promise of rest. But this scripture is also saying that it's possible to miss out on the promise of God's rest, on the benefit of God's rest if you don't believe it. And not just unbelievers, but even God's very own people missed out. Talks about the Israelites. Verse 3, for we who believe, that is who personally trust and confidently rely on God, enter that rest. So as we have so we have inner peace now because we are confident in our salvation and assured of his power just as he had said as I swore an oath in my wrath they shall not enter my rest. This he said although his works were completed from the foundation of the world waiting for all who would believe. That is the rest of God. What is the rest of God? Entering into God's rest means entering into God's completed works. Entering into God's rest means we step into God's provision through Jesus Christ. Those who believe in the finished work of the cross enter into his rest. Unless someone comes to faith in Christ, it is impossible to enter God's rest. See, the greatest work of the cross is our salvation. Is that true? God's saving us from sin. I'm sorry, is that true? I think that's a pretty amazing work of the cross, right? If you believe in the finished work of salvation, say amen. amen. How many of you have faith in his grace? How many of you believe in the power of God to save you from sin and death? How many of you believe that you are cleaned and redeemed through the blood of Jesus Christ? Amen. See, if you can say amen and amen to those questions, then you've entered into God's provision of salvation, you've entered into his rest. Our faith in that work, the work of the cross, allows us to enter into his rest. It allows us to enter into all of the finished works of Jesus, all of them. But did you know that you can enter God's rest through salvation and still not take advantage of everything Jesus provided us on the cross. Did you know that's possible? That it's possible to be saved, but fully not entered into all of God's promises and God's provision. How many of you know that there's more to salvation than just salvation from sin? That God has so much more and until we know and believe in all of the finished work of the cross, 
We can't enter into his rest. We're going to be just like the Israelites that it referred to in verse 2. The Israelites were God's people. They were, God saved them. They were freed from slavery and bondage. Only to wander for 40 years in the desert and then die there. Because that entire generation didn't believe in the full promise of God. They refused to enter in to his provision or his rest, the promised land. And you know what? I'm sure that they all went to heaven, which is great. But God has so much more for them than, than just salvation from Egypt and to die in the desert. He wanted them to step into all of his provision in the promised land. And they missed out on that. See, as God's people, as believers, as Christians, we might be saved and delivered from sin, and that's amazing. That's great. But we haven't fully entered into God's rest until we're willing to step in to all of his provision, all of his promises, all of the finished works of the cross. And I believe that God wants that for us today. Praise God that we're saved from sin. But listen, God has so much more for his kids. So much more. He is a good, good father. Amen? So what I want to do today is I want to break down this, this concept, this idea of, of entering into God's rest so that we can take part of this amazing benefit of Jesus. Are you ready to do that with me? It's going to be a lot of scripture and be a lot of teaching today. So we got to be, we got, we had a little break. Now we got to bear down and, and let's do this. Okay. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. Thank you for your presence. God, I just pray that we're going to hear the voice of the Lord today. I I pray that that we're going to have new understanding, new revelation in our hearts and in our minds of who you are and who we are in Jesus' name. And I just pray that that any, any religious junk any religious strongholds, any demonic strongholds be broken today in Jesus' name so that we can clearly hear and understand your word and your voice and everything that you have for us in Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're counting out in Hebrews 4. So Hebrews 4 and verse 4 says, For in a certain place he has said this about the seventh day, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. Okay, so I want to first talk about God's invitation to his rest. Okay, so Paul starts to explain this idea of entering God's rest by comparing it with creation in Genesis. Okay, so in six days, God created all things. What did God do on the seventh day? 
God rested. How many of you know that God doesn't get tired? God does not get, Martin knows. He raised his hand. Thanks, Martin. God is never depleted, but he is all-powerful. All-powerful means that God is all-power all the time. Amen? Amen. So, so God wasn't, didn't rest because he was tired, but he rested because he was finished. He was satisfied with his creation. It was complete. It was finished, right? It's just like, like when a lawyer in a courtroom, when he, when he presents all of his case and asks all the questions to all the witnesses, what, is, what does the lawyer stand up and say? I rest my case, right? Does that mean the lawyer is just really tired? No, it means that he is finished, right? He's, he's satisfied with his presentation, and now he's finished, right? That was God with creation. He was satisfied, and, and he was finished, okay? And, and so there was, there was purpose in his creation. There was purpose, okay? And, and I should say this, too, before I say that, is that God has not created another thing since the day of creation. He was perfect in his creation. He created everything we would ever need. You know what? There's, maybe there's one thing he's created. Uh, when you and I become, uh, uh, come into Jesus, we become what? A new creation. So maybe that's the only other thing. <laughs> okay? But, but other than that, okay, God has not created any other thing. He was, he was perfect in his creation, and he was purposeful in his creation. So he creates the entire world and everything we could ever possibly need, and a lot more than that, on day one to five. Then on day six, he creates us. He creates man and woman. Okay? And then on day seven, that's when God rested. And so God created us on the sixth day. Watch this. So now we can step into his rest. We can step into his finished works. We can step into everything that he's created for us. Hallelujah. And we still enter into his rest, his provision today. Hebrews 4, 6 to 9 says, Therefore, since the promise remains for some to enter his rest, and those who formerly had the good news preached to them failed to grasp it and did not enter because of their unbelief evidenced by disobedience, he again sets a definite day, a new today, providing another opportunity to enter that rest, saying through David after so long a time, just has as he has, just as has been said before in the words already quoted today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. This mention of a rest was not a reference to their entering into Canaan. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not speak about another day of opportunity after that. So there remains a full and complete Sabbath rest. For the people of God. So God gave 
first us that opportunity to enter his rest at creation. And, and then he gave God's people another opportunity to enter into the promised land. But, but that wasn't God's best for us because it wasn't full and complete. There was a better opportunity coming. And then God gave us yet another opportunity to enter his rest, his provision, his finished works through his son, Jesus Christ. This is why Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Through Jesus, God has provided us everything we will ever need. What do you need this morning? What do you need? What do you need? Think about it. I'm not asking what do you want. But God has made available to you this morning everything that you need through the finished works of the cross. Healing is available to you today. Deliverance and freedom are available to you today. Mercy, grace, Righteousness, protection, safety, prosperity, peace, joy, sonship, forgiveness, redemption, salvation, sanctification, justification, the ability to love God and love people, victory over sin, over death, and over every enemy is available to you today through the finished works of Jesus Christ. Whatever you need, listen, God has already made it available through Jesus. All we need to do is believe. Hebrews 4.3 says, For we who have believed do enter that rest. His works had been completed and prepared, watch this, and waiting For who? For all who would believe. From the foundation of the world, faith is the key. Faith is what opens the door to God's rest, to his provision. It's our faith in the gospel, our faith in Jesus, our faith in the cross and the resurrection that gains us access into God's rest, his finished works. Here's an example of uh, salvation is an example. First Timothy says that, that God is our Savior and that it's his will that all men, that everyone come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Salvation has been made for everyone. God died for the whole world. But listen, if God wants everyone to be saved, then why is not everybody saved? Because some people hear the good news of Jesus and they believe it by faith. And some people hear the good news of Jesus and they choose to not believe. Faith is our access to the promise and provision of salvation. Lots of us know Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. We're saved by grace. Absolutely. But we need to mix the message 
with our faith to make it work for us. Amen? It's through our faith in the gospel, through our faith in Jesus that we have salvation. So faith in God's grace is what gains us access into God's rest in all of the finished works. But watch this. That means the faith that gains us access into the finished work of salvation is the same faith that's going to gain us access into the finished work of healing or the finished work of deliverance and freedom or the finished work of victory over sin. We can believe for those things the same way we believe for salvation. I'm going to say that one more time. We can believe for all of those things, all the finished works, the same way we believe for salvation. You can be sure and certain of any and all of the finished works of Jesus Christ. You can be sure and certain of any and all of the finished works of Jesus Christ as a believer in Jesus Christ. But the important thing to understand is that we enter his rest, his provision, his finished works by our faith in Jesus and his work and not our works. We need to understand that principle. Okay? And so Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 10 says, for all who have entered into God's rest, have rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world. See, this is, this is our evidence that you've entered into the rest of God. The way we know we've entered into God's provision in the finished works of Jesus Christ is we stop working for what has already been done and just receive it by faith. We need to come to faith in the finished work of God. We need to come to a revelation in our hearts and our minds that the work of our salvation, our healing, our freedom, all of God's provision has already been accomplished on the cross. See, this is why Jesus, when he was dying on the cross, he said, to tell us die, it is finished. Jesus accomplished his purpose. He did everything that God sent him to do. Jesus broke the power of sin. Jesus took away Satan's power to accuse you. He set the prisoners free. Jesus healed all sickness and all disease through his shed blood. He overcame the world. He conquered the grave. Jesus holds the keys to sin and death and hell. Everything Jesus was sent to do. He did it. He did it. It's done. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. He's sitting because it's finished. And now we step into that finished work. We step into God's rest. There's nothing that we can do to earn what Jesus has already done. Is anyone here named Frank? Uh, okay, I'm going to use the name Frank. 
So let's say Frank, I don't want it to be too personal. (laughs) Let's say Frank comes into my office this week and he says, you know what, Pastor, I've asked uh, Jesus to come into my life hundreds of times. And and I just don't, I just don't, I just don't know if I'm saved. I still don't know if I'm saved. I've invited Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. I don't know if I'm saved. Let me ask you a question. Would it be appropriate for me to start praying with Frank that God would save him? Would that be appropriate? God, please save him. Would it be appropriate for me to plead and beg God to save Frank? No, why? Because he's already done, right? Because because God already gave his son. Because Jesus already died to save us. Because salvation is a part of the finished work of the cross. How many times do we need to knock on the door of salvation before Jesus opens the door? One time. Hallelujah. So the action is not on God, but the action's on who? Austin, I'm going to say Frank. Let's, let's pick on Frank. If you know a Frank said, hey, we're talking about you this week. You need to just accept it by faith, brother. <laughs> He's like, what? <laughs> See, we don't, need to, we don't need to pray that God's going to save us. We just need to believe that Jesus has saved us. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved, right? You just have to ask 99 more times. No, (laughs) you will be saved. We don't have to plead and beg and try to twist God's arm to save us, to heal us, to deliver us, to provide for us, to forgive us, to give us victory over sin and the enemy because he's already done it. Hallelujah. But we just receive it by faith. Please hear this. Please hear this this morning. Praying harder, fasting longer, serving more, giving more, trying to be a good person and going to church and reading your Bible and trying to impress God with every and any good work does not gain you access into his rest and finished works. But it's only through our faith in Christ and Christ alone. And all of those are good things. Praying, reading the word, going to church. Those are good works. But as soon as we start to use them outside of Jesus Christ, as soon as we start to use them as self-works to to try to impress God, they're not good works anymore, but they become dead works. And those dead works, the Bible says in Galatians 2, that they frustrate God. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if if righteousness came by the law, that self-effort, then Christ is dead in vain. Jesus died so that we could enter into God's rest. He died so we could enter into his provision. But if we could do that and accomplish that on our own, then what did Jesus die for? And if we continually try to earn 
what Jesus has already done, then how do you think that makes Jesus feel? What a slap in the face. Because ultimately we're saying, thanks Jesus, but no thanks. I'm good. I'm going to get there on my own. God wants us to be a receiver of his grace, not an achiever of his grace. I like this quote. Religion teaches you have to do this to get God to do that. The truth is it's not what we do, but what God already did by his grace. We are either responding to God's grace or we're trying to get God to respond to us. We don't have to do something to make God do what he's already done. We just have to get on board with what he's already done. And we do that through faith. And so the way that you know that you've entered into the rest of God is when you lay aside those dead works. It's when you, it's when you stop trying to do what Jesus has already done and choose to receive everything God has provided you through faith in Christ and Christ alone. God, I want everything. And that's not selfish because it's a gift that's already presented to you. God, I want it. Everything that you died for, Jesus. I receive it. I believe in you. Everything. I want everything, Lord. But verse 11 in Hebrews 4 actually talks about a labor, that there is a labor involved. Let's look at it. Verse 11, let us labor then to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. So this is where we need to really pay attention. This labor is not a labor of self-works. This labor is not about trying to impress God. It's not about trying to earn anything that Jesus already did for us on the cross. That's not what this labor is, but this is a labor of faith. That it, that it takes a labor in our faith sometimes to believe that what God says is true, even though the circumstances and even our very own senses tell us the exact opposite. Are you with me? That takes work. That takes work. It's, it's a labor of faith to believe that you're healed by Jesus' stripes when your body and the doctor's report are telling you something different. Right? It's a labor of faith to believe that you're the righteousness of God and that you're a new creation in Jesus when the devil is constantly lying to you and shaming you. There's a labor of faith involved there to hang on, to hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. 
right? It, it's, it's a labor of faith to believe that you have victory over sin when the temptation is so strong. That's a labor of faith, to believe God when everything and everyone, and maybe even sometimes including yourself, is challenging the truth, challenging that faith. How do we do that? How do we labor in faith? How do we believe that what God's saying is true? How do we believe that we can live in the finished works of Jesus Christ? I think it tells us in the next verse, verse 12. For the word of God. Hallelujah. Did anyone else just get shivers there? I did. For the word of God is living and active and full of power. Making it operative, energizing, and effective. See, we can stand firm in the gospel. We can stand firm in the finished works of Jesus because the word of God is the power of God unto salvation. We can stand firm against the lies of the enemy because the word of God has divine power to demolish strongholds and every exalted and proud thing that has set itself up against the knowledge of God. We can choose to believe God over our feelings and our emotions and contradicting circumstances because flowers fade and grass withers. But the word of the Lord stands forever. Hallelujah. There's a story in, in, in Mark chapter 4 uh, that I think illustrates this. Mark 4, verse 35 to 40. And I'm just going to read it for you. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall, that's like a violent storm, came up. And the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. Can I just say, Jesus didn't just nod off. But when you sleep on a pillow, you are intending to go to sleep. Is that right? The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? You think that's how they said it? I think they were like, Jesus! Wake up! He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. That's our Savior. That's what our God can do. Be quiet, wind. Settle down now, waves. He 
said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? You still have no faith? These circumstances are dire. I mean, the storm is violent. The waves are crashing. The, the boat is nearly swamped. It's, it's, it's nearly sunk. It's dangerous. This is a life-threatening circumstance. Right? We've read this story, so we're like, oh, those silly disciples. <laughs> 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 What would you do in this circumstance? I think I might give Jesus a kick too. Jesus. <laughs> Wake up. I don't know. I think the disciples' reaction seems somewhat reasonable. Human, thank you. But then Jesus asked them, Why are you so afraid? Why, why don't you believe in me, in my power, in my provision? If you believed in me, then you'd be able to rest like me. Jesus is challenging their faith in the storm. He's, he's teaching them that even in the most dire, life-threatening circumstances, they can still be in the rest of God. They can still believe in his power and provision, they can still believe for the finished works of protection and safety and deliverance, even in the storm. Yeah, I was listening to Tony Evans talk about this story, and I like what he said. He said, they were amending the sermon, but when they got into the storm, they forgot the truth. You ever do that before? <laughs> Amen, Pastor. Yes. Preach it. Preach it, brother. We're so confident until we get into that storm. Storms should not surprise us. Storms should not surprise us. In John 16, Jesus promises storms. He says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace. In the world, you have tribulation and distress and suffering. But be courageous, be confident, be undaunted, be filled with joy, because I have overcome the world. My conquest is accomplished, my victory abiding. But even in the storm, you can grab a pillow, because Jesus has overcome the storm. His victory is complete. Your salvation, your protection, your deliverance are complete. Believe in Jesus and what he accomplished, and you can enter his rest. See, Jesus gave his disciples um, faith before they even left the shore. Because he said, let us go over to the other side. All they had to do is trust in what he said. See, his word is our confirmation. His word is our evidence. If they trusted the word, if, if they allowed his word to renew their minds, it would have transformed them. It would have, they would have been laying beside Jesus in that boat. They would have had their own pillows. When we renew our minds with the word of God, it transforms us. Now we can be sure 
Now we can be certain of what we hope for and, and, and sure and certain of the things that we can't see. Because God said so. That's why. Yeah, but the ways and the wind. No, no, no. Because God said so. Yeah, but the doctors and the, and the banker and the... No, because God said so. And now we can choose to live by faith and not by sight. Because his word starts to weigh heavier than the waves. His word starts to become more real than our very own senses. The word of God, hallelujah. That's the labor of faith. It's believing God's word above the circumstance. And when we do that, we fully enter his rest. His rest. There's no worry and there's no fear. Just the peace that Jesus offers us and everything that he made available to us through the finished works of the cross. Come on. Is that not one of our most amazing benefits in, in Jesus? We can enter into the rest of God, the provision, the finished works. Hallelujah. What a Savior. What a God. Amen? Amen. We'll invite our worship team forward. and We're going we're gonna to end in, in a time of, of worship, but, but please understand, one of the main reasons we do this, we end on a song, is because we want to give you an opportunity to respond what God's been, been saying to you throughout this whole day, maybe throughout the whole week. And so I want to really encourage you to respond during this time. You can, you can worship, you can stand, you can sit. It, it doesn't matter, but, but engage the Lord. Respond to what the Holy Spirit is saying. Maybe he's saying to some of us, you know what, we need to repent of some dead works. Maybe that's what he's saying. Maybe he's saying, um, you know, maybe you're in a storm right now and God's calling you to enter his rest. He's saying, I know that there's circumstances. I know that there's storms. I know there's waves and wind. But what did I say? Maybe he's saying we need to begin to give more weight to the word of God than the circumstance. So let's just spend some time and let's just respond. Let's just, let's just engage the Lord.